Fair citizens, hearken unto me, for I have a message of great import. Today I present for your entertainment a most fantastical creation beyond your wildest imagination, the Hedge Fund Podcast with Sir David Claypool and his trusty steed, Joe Chafkin. Episode 1. Compensation Quest. There it is, the Bridge of Death. On the other side is the information that you seek. You must answer the Bridge Keeper's three questions correctly or be cast into the gorge of financial uncertainty. Okay, here I go. Stop! Whoever crossed the bridge of death must answer me these questions. Three. What is your name? Sir Joe Chapkin of Claypool Search. What is your quest? To view the Claypool Salary Survey, the holy grail of comp data. Did you participate in the survey this year? No. Ooh, that's gotta hurt. Ooh, you know what else hurts? What's that? Getting paid consistently behind your peers since you have no credible information on industry compensation. Well, I wonder if there's something we can do for our listeners to uh, help remedy that. I don't know. We've been producing a survey for 20 years on this topic, but we only give it to participants. Well, until today. Until today. I'm David Claypool. And this is Joe Chavkin and my protege. We are Claypool Search, an executive recruiting firm that recruits legal and regulatory talent for alternative asset managers. We've been doing it in one form or another for 25 years, over 600 placements. And this is our new podcast, Hedge Fund. Investment management is no laughing matter until now. Um... So today we're going to talk about this compensation survey, Joe. I, I, you know, I was looking at it. One thing that really stuck out to me was that half of the people in this survey are underpaid. How so? They're below the median. <laughs> All right. We are going to get down to it now. You are going to get some information from the survey, even though most of you don't deserve it. Uh, the, how, what, how are you going to pay for it is by listening to some stupid jokes, right, Joe? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff along the way. Uh, but right now, uh, my friend Bill DeCordova is here. Since it's my show, he's going to interview me uh, about compensation trends. Uh, most of you know Bill, now that he's back in private practice, if you want to know what he thinks, you're going to have to pay for it. Welcome to my show, Bill. Sure thing, David. Uh, I've known you for as long as I can remember, it seems. But uh, right now, I'm the Special Regulatory Counsel over at Aiken Gump. And before that, you and I spoke a number of times when I was the Editor-in-Chief of the Hedge Fund Law Report and the Private Equity Law Report. And what, what, where did you begin your career? Well, I started my career in private practice. I was, I was at Dorsey and Whitney's New York office and Arnold and Porter's New York office. And I did that for about seven years. And then I moved to become general counsel of hedge funds for InvestCorp, a Bahrain-based investment bank. And I did that for a number of years before finding my way to the hedge fund law report and then to Aiken. 
Uh, just so we're clear, how did you get that job at InvestCorp? Well, I believe I believe I was placed there by an expert legal recruiter named David Claypool. Interesting. And how did you get that high-paying job at the Hedge Fund Law Report? That I did myself. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, enough said. Uh, what do you want to talk to me about, oh guru of private fund law? Um, well, the biggest thing on my mind, of course, is your uh, recently released compensation survey. I'm sure a lot of people want to hear more about that. You mean the one that we published last week and that was featured on the front page of Hedge Fund Alert this week? The, the very same. Okay, well, what would you like to know? It's, it's packed with information. Well, let's, let's start off with looking at that information, the data you've gathered, as well as what you've seen in the past. What trends are you able to identify with respect to the compensation for legal and compliance personnel this time around? Well, the main thing that we saw come out of this study uh, is that private equity and venture funds seem to pay, uh, particularly at the higher levels, uh, considerably more than hedge funds and even blended funds. And when I talk about blended funds, I'm talking about private managers that you know have open and closed-end strategies, hedge private equity, maybe even a little bit of venture uh, thrown in. It was the first time that we looked at this variable. And I had known that there was a spread, but I was unaware that the spread was as large as it is. That's interesting. And I saw you, you mentioned that in the Hedge Fund Alert article as well. What, what do you think explains that gap? There are a handful of things, Bill, that explain that gap. Obviously, you can't ignore the fact that the SEC is incredibly aggressive these days, and you have managers on the PE and venture side, particularly that who have, you know, kind of lightly complied with rules. Venture funds, you know, aren't strictly required to in most circumstances these days, but PE funds are, and they're really taking it seriously. So that's driven demand in that space. And a lot of those managers that are coming to market now, they tend to be on the West Coast, in the Bay Area, in Menlo, in Palo Alto, in San Francisco. And with the SEC being so aggressive these days, they're looking for folks with real experience with the Advisors Act. These people are generally located in New York. So... I, you know, these numbers, I think, are being pushed up because you're bringing people, experienced people from New York to the West Coast. And a relo always is going to require a, a pretty nice up. So that's one thing. The other thing is when you look at hedge funds, hedge funds require a lot of work on the compliance side, but much of it is that not that complicated. So you have a lot of folks that have titles that are going to force them into certain places on this survey, which only has three categories, right? Uh, that are going to put them in a group with people that are doing much more complicated work. And one thing that I've said over time, and I really believe after looking at these numbers hard for 20 years, is that one of the main factors that influences pay for legal and compliance professionals and private asset managers is complexity. And the work at venture and private equity funds in general is more complex than the work at hedge funds. Okay, that's, that's a really interesting point. Um, if there's a big move from people to 
the West Coast from New York, do you see the sort of balance of power in the private funds market shifting from being largely concentrated in New York and being more dispersed? I think as you bring New York talent to the West Coast, what you're going to see is that the concentration is going to be on the coasts rather than on one coast, but it's still going to lean to New York, at least for the next generation, because that's where the talent was raised. The culture, the approach is very different until that gets blended. I think that New York is probably going to lead, which is interesting when I've just said that sort of Menlo, San Francisco and Palo Alto are leading as far as comp. Interesting. Were there any other surprises that you noted from the survey? When we started looking at general counsel chief compliance officers and we broke them down by assets under management, uh, we noticed that sort of the middle people pay the most. What do I mean by that? We broke it down into managers that have five billion or less under management, managers from five to 20, and then managers with 20 or more. You would probably think that the managers with 20 or more were the leaders in compensation. That's not the case. It's the five to 20 that are leaders in compensation. And, uh, you know, when you look at it from a, this, this standpoint of the more senior people, it, it really sorts, starts skewing, uh, in that direction for the, for the general counsel. One thing to note here, potentially, is that, yes, it is skewing towards mid-sized managers. Kind of one caveat we had in the hedge fund alert article, whether or not it was printed, I'm not totally sure. But there are people who participated in the survey in previous years who didn't participate this year because they know that they are at the top of the pile as far as compensation goes. Uh, That brings us to a really, really good point, Joe. Uh, You know, this seems like I'm throwing water um, on my own study, but, you know, we have 310 data points. Um, As a percentage of the market that we're looking at, that's a really strong data set, right? We're only looking at, general counsel, associate general counsel, and chief compliance officers at private asset managers that have over a billion dollars under management in major markets, right? So as a percentage of those people, this is a large sample. But as a statistical sample, it's worthless. Like everything we're looking at, it's it's observational. The way that this data is collected, okay, now, is we throw it out there to everybody in the industry. And we say, come and contribute. Okay. We verify the information to the extent that we go through every line. We make sure this person exists and none of it looks out of line. There could be some people jacking around with the numbers. We really don't think they are. We think it's, we think that it's a real honest sample, but let's face it. People want this document so that they can increase their compensation. They want it in their hands so they can walk into their boss's office, hold it up and say, You say that I'm the best and that we're in the top quartile. Well, if we're the best, I'm the best and we're in the top quartile, you're paying me 50% of what I should be paid. Now, if you're being paid 4X of the top decile, 
You're disincentivized. I know many people who used to report in this survey who don't, who are making multiples of the top quartile. The people on the bottom are contributing. They want this thing in their hands. They know they're on the bottom and they want this thing and they want this thing in their hands. Now, do I think that that makes this this survey worthless? No, because I think what's in the middle, and that's why we report, we report medians and quartiles and not averages, right? If, if we did average top and bottom, this would look very different and it would be practically worthless. But with medians and quartiles, you know, there's stuff that's falling into the center. And the fact that we've lost outliers on the top, I don't think really changes things. Right. So you have the confluence of factors here, those being that managers in the middle from five to $20 billion under management, they really do have more aggressive fee structures. They have fewer mouths to feed. And, you know, the legal talent there is probably less siloed, put over more. But at the same time, if you're general counsel of BlackRock, you're probably not looking at our survey going to your boss saying, pay me even more. <laughs> you don't think so? I don't know. <laughs> Call us. Point that Joe made a minute ago that I think cannot be overstated that we haven't gotten here. We talked about complexity being a key factor in driving compensation for senior legal talent. The other thing that we've observed over time, and this is why these middle, the middle people, at, you know, at the five to 20, and also why the PE and venture people are making more money. The second factor that's there that I think is, and it could be the most important factor, is it's not what the assets under management are. It's what is the ratio of sort of the revenue, okay, minus expenses to the, 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 the professionals, right? And a lot of these middle range folks, a lot of our VC and PE funds, they have very aggressive fee structures. They make a lot of money. And they've got 20 people. They're running $8 billion. They've got a two and 20 fee structure. They're returning 25% a year. Obviously, if you only have eight mouths to feed and you're, you're ripping two and 20 off 8 billion, it's a lot easier to pay your top legal staff more money than if you are an organization that is bloated. Getting, getting back to compensation for a minute, uh, you had previously observed a trend with respect to equity participation by in-house legal and compliance staff. Yeah, listen, Okay, we, we, we delved into equity in this study more deeply than we have uh, in the past. We didn't separate out equity uh, participation. Uh, in the past, we just asked if there was any. We have not looked at that granularly yet. This year's study, we started a new method of collection. We collected a whole bunch of new information in our haste to get the basic information out to the people that needed it for compensation discussions at the end of the year, we put out the basic things that are out there. So I haven't looked hard into the equity. Observationally, I will tell you there's more equity out there and there is uh, more money being paid in that equity. 
And another thing, we are going to be coming out with an addendum in the spring that speaks to more observations in the compensation trends. Why is there more equity, you ask, Bill? Um, what do you think? Um, no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we talked about, we talked about how venture and PE have come into the game. So now you have legal and regulatory departments that are on in our sample that just came into our sample because they just came into existence. Private equity and venture funds traditionally, traditionally compensate high level executive professionals with significant pieces of equity. Hedge funds traditionally don't as much, right? So the increase in equity uh, that I see observationally is a result of PE and venture coming into the legal and regulatory space in a significant way in response to the Gensler SEC and the other factors that we have been talking about. And this, this actually brings me into an interesting observation from 2022, because our findings in 2023 were directly contrary to something that David spoke to you about, Bill, in the hedge fund law report. Basically, there was this discussion of, you know, I think you said, what differences have you seen between hedge fund managers, PE sponsors, venture capital managers, and others in terms of aggregate amounts of compensation for legal and compliance staff? David basically said back in 22, you know, these distinctions are outdated and don't really apply any longer because these things are all starting to blend together. The only main difference is that venture pays equity, which I think at the time was almost treated as not a throwaway, but this is just an additional thing. And we're now noticing that equity really has an outsized impact in terms of who's getting the money. Additionally, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we started talking about, okay, you know, hedge is lagging behind VC and PE in terms of how much it pays with blended in the middle. Well, if anything, that's, you know, representative of the trend at large. So those who are taking on VC and PE strategies are making more money. Yeah, this is, this is only... You know, Joe, you bring up a good point. And I'm glad that, you know, both of you guys have pulled out this article where, you know, I say a lot of stuff that's right on and you're finding the inconsistencies. I don't see my statement that we're moving towards a place where these distinctions are meaningless uh, as in contradiction to what I'm saying about how people are getting paid in these segments. Like I said, this is a moment in time. This is a snapshot of where we are today. I've already talked about the movement between New York and the West Coast, the outsized pay on the West Coast, the equity inside these managers. As these managers come together and blend, what we're going to see is basically one line. Right. Right? So right now, PE and venture 
are in the lead. It's only going to drag up hedge and blended until we get to a point where everyone is basically there. With the exception, unfortunately, I think, of the handful of managers that remain straight hedge funds. It's very similar to what happened 20 years ago when you were looking at legal and regulatory compensation and the composition of the asset management groups of the large law firms like your place, Bill, is that the work was investment company and there were investment company practices in New York and the best money that was being paid to asset management people were the investment company partners at the large firms and the investment company lawyers at the institutions. Hedge came into town. And Hedge made investment companies second-class citizens. Why? Because it was more complicated. Because you could premium bill. Take a look at New York now. The investment company practices have left. They're, 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 they're in Boston. And they are Washington. And in fact, some of the most effective are in the lowest paying major market on the East Coast, Philadelphia. That is not a coincidence. I think you're going to see the same thing happening to Edge. Do you see Latham, Debevoise, Simpson, the, the top, top firms? Do you see them messing with hedge fund work? No. Uh, so uh, I think hedge funds are, are, are going to become, in terms of compensation for legal and regulatory professionals, the new investment companies. David, I hate to interrupt, but it's actually time for your unpopular opinion of the day. And not a lot of people are going to admit this, but I'm a fan of Gary Gensler. Um, not only because all of his policies and the way that he behaves has been a tremendous economic windfall for me, but because I do believe that markets need to be regulated and that people need to know that they're in a fair marketplace. I think the problem with Gensler is not his policies. But his approach, I think it's a strident New York approach that a lot of people don't like. So with the help of AI, we came up with, shall we say, a template for a new approach. For your listening pleasure, I present Glenn Gary Gensler. Look at all of you sitting there with your heads in the clouds, thinking you're the smartest bunch of geniuses to ever grace the face of this planet. Well, let me tell you something, you bunch of deluded, clueless buffoons. You're all a bunch of idiots. Oh, I'm sorry, did I hurt your feelings? Maybe morons is a better description. You think you've uncovered the secret to financial freedom with your fancy cryptocurrencies, don't you? What is it, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and whatever other made-up digital nonsense you've come up with? But let me burst your little bubble of ignorance, my dear enthusiasts. Those so-called cryptocurrencies that you're raving about, they're not currencies at all. No, they're securities, plain and simple. Get a clue, Einstein, and don't even waste your time trying to argue with me. You see, I've done my research, unlike you dipshits who just blindly throw your money at every single new coin that pops up on the market. Why don't you try embracing the truth, even if it stings, and maybe, just maybe, you'll find a way to redeem yourselves. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll be on my way, hoping that my face remains unpunched. Good luck, my misguided friends. You're going to need it. <laughs> now, what do you think of that approach, Bill? I like it. I like it. It's, 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 got, it's got some real oomph to it. Now, Joe suggested he thought we needed something more formal because we were, I was complaining that it was too much of like a strident New York approach. 
And, you know, without kind of the nasally part, that's pretty strident New York, isn't it? Yeah, it's still a little New York. I think, like, something a little more stately, refined. Something like Julius Gensler. Yeah. Hark, fair citizens, pray lend me thine ears, for I shall speaketh the truth. Verily, thou art a congregation of witless crypto-enthusiasts. Oh, how thou vex me with thy foolishness! Thy gullibility knows no bounds, as thou dost believe thyselves to be the masters of riches and fortune, all through the sorcery of thy digital currencies. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other phantom coins of thy creation, thou deem them currencies, yet I say nay. They are securities, plain and unadorned. Let it not be said that I speaketh without reason, for I too have delved deep into the abyss of knowledge, unlike thee, who blindly cast thy coins into the abyss. I beg thy forgiveness for bringing forth this revelation. I did not intend to extinguish the flickering flame of hope within thee, nor to render thy crypto-bubble naught but vaporous mist. Fare thee well, my misguided brethren. Fortune smile upon thee, for thou art in dire need of her benevolence. Oh, we love that. Well, that, that, that which, certainly which approach has gotten you... away from that's certainly getting away from New York strident. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who do who do you think is be, who who do you think better would be a better representation for Jer- Chairman Gensler to uh, take up Julius or Glenn Gary? I got to say, really, the, both both are great options, but but my favorite has to be Julius. Oh, just we love as Julius a, as a yeah. former medieval studies major. All right, we did it. Uh, that's the show. The next episode will be airing whenever we feel like making it. <laughs> maybe a month. Maybe a year. Maybe never. Anyway, good night, good day, uh, whatever. Bye. The Claypool Salary Survey is open to legal and compliance professionals at Alternative Asset Managers. If you would like to participate in our 2024 survey, Please visit claypoolsearch.com for access to survey data at the end of the year. No regulators were harmed in the making of this podcast. Hey, how are you? It's Chris Ferretti, the man of many voices, also known as Glengarry Gensler. Thanks for joining the Hedge Fund Podcast with your Gensler-loving king of compensation, David Claypool, the Mozart of recruiting, Joe Chafkin, their esteemed guest, William D. Cordova, Production by Helen Tan and Natalie Peña Galvis, the queens behind the scenes. Special thanks to Sir Jack Dabdu, the Lawrence Olivier of Staten Island, for voicing Julius Gensler. And of course, biggest thanks to me. You can check my voices out on Instagram at Jersey Ferretti or go to my website, www.chrisferretti.com. And last but not least, the show would not be possible without Becca Ramos, who taught these big bunch of assholes how to even do a podcast in the first place. 
David, I'm the host of Hedge Fund. It's my podcast and it's gonna get fun. I'm David, I'm the host of Hedge Fund. Ooh, 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 listen to Clay Poo.